Good morning. It's good to see everyone here today. It's a pleasure to have you here with us. If you're a visitor, we welcome you. And if you're one of us, we welcome you too. We're glad to have you. This morning, the, the title of my sermon is From Adam to Jesus. And uh, I wanted to do this sermon a little bit differently. I wanted to look at it from a little bit different point of view when I put it together. And that was the point of view of someone who maybe an average American who did not grow up with the background that we have, the knowledge of Scripture. You know, they, they know the very basic stories, and, and maybe they watch the History Channel once or twice, but a lot of people you meet come from this, uh, this background. They don't have almost any scriptural knowledge of, of the Bible. And when we start trying to speak to someone about this, uh, about Scripture, about Jesus, we kind of try to connect the dots for them. We go, okay, here's A and here's B. And for us, this is about right. But for them, we're going, here's A and here's B. And there's about ten dots in between that they're missing. And uh, <clears throat> when we do that, we, we kind of miss a lot of opportunities, I feel. And, and it makes it difficult for us to explain these to them. And so this morning, the purpose of my sermon is to go over some of the basics of the gospel so that we have a, a better understanding and so that we can teach it to someone who does not have the understanding we have. And I hope that this will be uh, uplifting and, and be edifying for all of us today. We're going to base it out of Romans chapter 5, and if you have your Bible with you, you can turn there and read it with me. <clears throat> but Romans chapter 5 and verse 12 through 14 says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the, the world... And death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sin. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. And I'm sorry, it looks like I'm kind of hard to see down in that corner on the computer screen. It wasn't that way. <laughs> but, uh, no, he says that. Death reigned from Adam to Moses, even on people who didn't do the exact same thing that Adam did. And uh, and as we read through this, it's it's kind of one of those, okay, I guess. You go on a little bit further in Romans 5 and verse 18 says, Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. So, with Adam, we brought death and condemnation. With Jesus, we got justification. And, and my immediately, immediate thought with that, as someone who is not raised up in our faith, is, are you people crazy? <laughs> the top question, what does one guy, Adam, 6,000 years ago, what does he have to do with me? I mean, you think about this. The man ate a piece of fruit, and, and maybe it was the cookie, the forbidden cookie jar. He wasn't supposed to stick his hand in there, but I wasn't there. You weren't there. Your great, 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 great grandpa wasn't there. How has this got anything to do with me? It says, how can a man dying 2,000 years ago save me from that? You know, Jesus, we've, everyone's heard of Jesus. He's, he's a big name out there. People, people pray to Him. They joke by Him. They curse by Him. They all know who Jesus is, but when you actually start thinking about it, 
He died 2,000 years ago. And they say He came back, but I don't see Him. How can He save me from something that happened 6,000 years ago? It, it doesn't really connect, does it? To you and I, being raised in the church and from a time we were small, hearing the stories and the, and the verses, we kind of get that. But to someone with no basic knowledge of the Scripture, this is a really... Really far dots. It's really spread out. And so today I want to look at this concept that through Adam sin entered the world and that it has affected every person throughout time until Jesus. And Jesus made it possible for us to be freed from that sin. First, let's... Uh, Romans 5.12 said, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sin... Let's go back and let's examine that that story, the story of Adam. In Genesis 3 and verse 1 through 7, it says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. <clears throat> we know this story. Adam or Eve goes on and, and she takes the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And she eats it. And it's good. And, and so she shows it to her husband and he saw the same thing she did and he ate it. Then they realized that they were naked and they hid from God in the bushes when He came. God said, where are you? Adam says, here I am, Lord. I'm in the bushes. I'm hiding. And uh, God said, why are you hiding? And Adam said, because I'm naked. God said, who told you you were naked? And Adam said, well, we ate of the fruit. And Adam and Eve play a little blame game. And then uh, God dishes out some punishments. And Adam and Eve are kicked out of the garden. And you have the first commandment broken. Adam and Eve had committed sin. And everything changed from there. But again, the thought is still, how does this have to affect me? And I guess, I mean, if you're just thinking about it, well, maybe this stuff got passed down. I mean, maybe it just got spread to all of us. But Scripture doesn't agree with that. <clears throat> oh, I, uh, I skipped on. <laughs> Ezekiel 18 and verse 20 says, "...the soul who sins shall die. The son shall not bear the guilt of the father, nor the father bear the guilt of the son." The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. So, sins aren't in the gene pool. <laughs> they don't get spread that way. And uh, that means that if Jeremy does something horrendously awful, we don't get to punish his children for it. It's not okay. And God doesn't either. And if Jeremy's children do something horribly awful, that's not me counted against Jeremy. Now, Jeremy does have some other responsibilities, being a father, and he does have to take care of it. But in and of itself, those sins aren't on his soul. That's what this says. So, if Adam did this, and my great-great-great-grandpa wasn't even there, and either way it couldn't pass to him, how does this affect me? Well, let's take a step back for a minute, and let's go fill in a different dot. How is sin passed? How do we get taught this in, in Scripture? If you... Turn over to 1 John 3 and verse 4. It says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. 
It said sin is the transgression of the law. Adam committed sin because God said, Thou shalt not eat of it, and he ate of it. He transgressed it. If you look at uh, the last passage we looked at, it said the righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. Wicked is an act of wickedness. or It's breaking the law. So you're only going to get sin if you've broken the law. You say, okay, so how did Adam's breaking the law jump over on me? I'm still not quite connecting these dots. Let's look at Romans 2 and verse 11 through 15. In this passage, he kind of talks about how God dealt with people then. People who were not necessarily under the law or did not have laws given to them. Romans 2 and verse 11 says, For there is no respect of persons with God. For as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts, the elsewhile... uh, I can't read it myself. The meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. That's a bit of a tongue twister. What he's saying is that yes, people are judged by the law. But there were some people who didn't know the law. They weren't under the law. And so he judged them by what he called the law written in their heart. He said that they, if they followed that law and they did well, they were excused. He said, but if they didn't, you know, they were judged by the law in their heart the same as anything else. He said, their conscience also bearing witness. We know what our conscience is, right? It's, it's a little thing in us that tells us whether we're doing something right or something wrong. And uh, it doesn't always work perfectly. We know this. But that is our inner law. Do you remember the fruit Adam ate? Hate the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. That's a conscience. Adam obtained a conscience when he ate that fruit. And he passed that on to each and every one of us. We all have one today. That conscience became hereditary. And it's been passed on to each of us. And now you think about this passage. When someone violates their conscience, they're breaking the law. Now, uh... (laughs) A while back, I was at my brother's house. And he's, his daughter, she's four at the time. She just barely turned, uh, well, I guess she was still three at the time. She hadn't quite turned four yet. And uh, she came into the living room after having her bath, you know. And Ellen, my, my sister-in-law, is putting her clothes on. I glanced over there, and she was naked. And I went, and she went, no. <laughs> and... You know, she's three years old, and I know she doesn't fully comprehend the concepts of of modesty and and things like that, but her dad has been teaching her from the time that she was starting to put on her own clothes that, you know, this is is modest and this is not modest, and and you need to cover yourself. My son is a little bit younger, and he's, he's starting to get a pretty good handle on this, but when he was, you know, one, one and a half, there were a lot of things that I know when he reached out for that plug... And he glanced back over his shoulder that he did not think, you know what, this is wrong for me to do. But he did think, I'm going to get a whooping if I touch this plug. And apparently he thought it was worth it because he did it anyways. But uh, 
They didn't have a conscience. That's not what's telling them not to do that. Their conscience develops when we teach them about these things. But at some point, my son's going to reach out for a plug of some sort. And he's going to think to himself, I'm supposed to obey mom and dad. And this isn't doing it. At some point, he's going to realize that it is basically wrong, not just, I will face consequences. That's a, con- that's a conscience. At some point, each and every one of us here today reached that point in our young lives where we had a conscience, we realized that something was wrong, but we pulled the plug, so to speak. And we committed sins. Adam's sin didn't pass to us, but he gave us a conscience which allowed sin to enter the world. Romans 5 and verse 16, it says, And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for the judgment which came from the one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift is of many offenses and a justification. All right, that, that one sin passed in and it caused condemnation. Condemned. That means when we got that one sin, we were condemned. And, and you read on in uh, Isaiah 64 and verse 6, it says, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as a filthy rags. And we, uh, we do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. I'm telling you, a lot of these are a lot darker than they were on my computer screen. I'm sorry about that. But uh, you think about it, someone's sitting here thinking, okay, so let's say I sinned one time. All of a sudden I'm condemned? That doesn't seem fair. But this passage here says, all our righteousness is as a filthy rag. You ever seen a clean white t-shirt with one ketchup stain on it? (laughs) It's no longer white, is it? It's white with a red dot. There was a story I heard one time. I've got a picture of brownies up here on the screen. And those brownies look delicious. But there was a group of teenagers who wanted to go see a movie. And uh, the movie was rated PG-13. And they told their dad, Dad, can we go... And they looked it up and they were prepared. They said, you know, Dad, it's rated PG-13, but it's only, got, it's only got this many cuss words in it. They're not that many. You know, it's got a little bit of violence. And, and, and maybe they, they, uh, they, they had some drugs at one point. But we see that stuff at school anyways. It's not a big deal. You know, can we go? And their dad said, no. And they, they just did not understand. It was only a little bit. <laughs> well, they were in there playing and goofing off and... After a while, they started to smell something good. What is that? And after a bit, here come their, their dad with a pan of brownies. He said, hey guys, you guys want some brownies? And, and they said, yeah. And those brownies, they look good and they smell great. And their dad said, oh, hold on a minute. Before you just dig in, I want to let you know that there is one extra ingredient in this brownie. But don't worry. It's only a little bitty bit. I mean, it, you know, you think about all the batter and all the chocolate and the, the bits of morsels in this brownies. And there's only, I mean, less than a teaspoon of this other ingredient in there. So it's okay. Go ahead, dig in. And they said, uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> no thanks. What, what is it? He said, well, it's, it's only a little bit. It doesn't matter. Even if it's something bad, there's, there's very little. And it's mixed in with all this other goodness. You just dig in. <laughs> uh, no. No thanks, Dad. Dad said, well, I put... Just, just a little bit of dog droppings in there. And they went, ooh! 
And he said, you see, it doesn't matter how little bit of it is. You had a pan of good, tasty brownies, but now you have a pan that has dog dew in it. The end. <laughs> you had a soul that was white and spotless, but now it has sin in it. The end. There's no other way around that. And you say, well, that's still just not fair. You're basing my whole life on one judgment. Come on. The, the analogy that I really thought of that fit this so well was, uh, let's say David is driving on his way to school. And uh, he's running late. Speed limit's 55 and he's doing 62. Police officer pulls him over. Says, "Here's your ticket." Well, David, he can't afford to pay this ticket, and so he goes in to see the judge. And he says, "Judge, look, you know, I'm, I'm a good guy. I go to church. I've got straight A's in my school. I, I call my mama. I, I take good care of my wife. I do community service every once in a while. I'm a good guy." And the judge says, "What's point?" The judge says, "I'm not here to judge your life, David." I'm here to judge whether or not you did or demit, did or did not commit this crime. And it doesn't matter which judge you go to, if that judge is doing the right thing, he's going to judge you based on the crime you committed, not the rest of your life. And if you did it, then you are guilty. And if you did not do it, then you're not guilty. So I'm sorry. Even if it was the only sin you've ever committed, you're guilty of that sin. James 2 and verse 10 through 11 says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that said, Do not commit adultery, said also, Do not kill. Now, if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. You read on a little bit further. Romans 6 and 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. If you've done it once, you've done it all. You're not a clean white t-shirt anymore. You're not just sweet, gooey brownies. You're guilty of that sin. And God said, all sin is disgusting to me. All sin is abominable to me. He won't abide in His presence. So if you're guilty of that one sin, the penalty, the wage of that one sin is death. There's no way around it. That's it. Now you understand that when Adam ate that fruit and he gave us all a conscience, and we all obtained a conscience, and at some point we broke it, death came in. It's not a little deal. Death came in, and all of mankind was cursed for that. but there's a little bit of light pouring through the clouds. Remember that next passage we read earlier about Jesus? Romans 5.16 and then verse 18 says, And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to, con- to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men into the justification of life. It said that Jesus justified us. You know what justify means? 
actually, whenever I was putting this uh, PowerPoint together, I tried, and I'm not very good with computers, and so I didn't get it worked right, but my brother had told me, hey, it'll make your PowerPoints look better if you use the justify bar. And I said, well, what's that? And he said, well, whenever you're typing, you know how sometimes your words end here, and some of them end over here, and some of them end back here on that line. He said, when you hit the justify bar, it makes them all neat and uniform. Well, I couldn't figure out how to make it work right because it seemed like it was kind of silly me. It spread like three words out across the whole thing and I said, forget about it. But justify means to make even, to make right, to balance out. And uh, Jesus justified us. Well, if David had got a speeding ticket and he went to the judge and the judge says, I'm sorry, David, you are guilty, you did speed, and therefore you're going to have to pay your ticket. And the ticket was $100. The only way for David to be justified is to pay that $100. That's it. In order for justice to be done in the eyes of the, the court, that $100 has got to be paid. Now, Jesus said that He justified us. He said He paid it. You go on to Romans 6 and 23. The wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So if our penalty is death, so that Jesus... Paid it. He paid our death. A little dot in between there. Leviticus 17 and verse 11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. You see, in the Old Testament, when God was having the, the Hebrews make all these animal sacrifices... One of the things in the laws he gave them was that you don't hang out even with people that drink or eat blood. He said, because the life is in the blood. And so when these people were sacrificing these goats and these doves and these you know, bulls and stuff like that, they were sacrificing their blood out there. The wages of sin is death. And so they were taking these animals and they were trying to pay that death with the life the lifeblood of these animals. But Scripture said it wasn't enough. It couldn't take away those deaths because these were just animals. It didn't quite cover it. Animals can't commit a sin. They don't have a conscience. It's not the same thing. It's not quite enough to pay that type of penalty. But Jesus, it tells us in Hebrews 9 and verse 9 through 15, did. says, "...which was a like figure for the time then present." in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make Him that did the service perfect, as pertaining to the conscience, which stood only in meats and drinks and diverse washings and carnal ordinances, imposing, imposed on them until the time of reformation. But Christ, being come in high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, But by His own blood, He entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For of the blood of bulls and of goats, and of the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctified through the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this cause, He is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. That was kind of a lengthy passage, and it's got a lot of words that we don't use today, and so it gets a little bit confusing. But the essence of what he's saying here 
is that those bulls and those goats and those calves were not enough. They didn't cover it. They just kind of pushed it out of the way for a little bit. It came back. And these were people who had sins on their own hands trying to do these things. And these were animals who didn't understand sins trying to be an offering. But Jesus, He was a high priest. He was the Son of the living God. He was without sin. And He willingly gave His sin. And so Jesus has taken His sin... He's taken, excuse me, he's taken his life and our sins. And he said, okay, God, Father, here's their sins, and they're guilty, and they, they face death, but I'm going to give you mine instead. And he gave us his lifeblood. He paid that debt. You know, if, if David's in court, and he hands the judge a $100 bill, the judge is happy. And it doesn't matter if John gave him that $100 bill, if David's mom and dad gave him that $100 bill, if David worked for that $100 bill, or if David found it on the street, so long as it's paid, the judge is happy. It's been paid. And Jesus came in even though He didn't deserve it. Even though He hadn't committed the sins. And He paid our way. He bore it all. How do we access that? How do we get Jesus to pay for our sins? We've been taught this from the time we were little. You, know, you have to hear the Word, Romans ten seventeen. so then faith cometh by hearing. You have to believe in His Word. God said in Hebrews 11, you must believe in Him and believe that He is a, dil- a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. You've got to repent. Jesus said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And we're taught that you have to be baptized. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. How does that access you, blood? How does that work? Well, in Mark 16, 16, He said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. There's got to be some belief in this. It has to mean something to you. You're not just getting dunked. In Colossians 2, and verse 12 through 15, it says, Buried with Him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with Him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised Him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he, tre- hath he quickened together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that were against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to His cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, He made a show of them openly, triumphing over the minute. It said that when we're baptized with Christ, when we believe that He's the Son of God, we're ready to change our ways and we're baptized with Him. He said we're made alive with Him. He said He takes our sins, our guilt, and He nails it to His cross. It's left there with Him. He's holding the ticket. It says that the thing is written against us, literally the ticket. He's taken it. It's blotted out. It's no more. It's not remembered. That's the difference in Jesus and our court system. They will remember David's ticket for a while. It might even be there forever. I don't know exactly how that works. I know they keep it in a computer system. But Jesus said it's gone. When my blood's there, that's all God's going to see. Payment in full, the end. 1 Peter 3 and 21 says, The light figure wherein to even baptism doth also now save us. 
not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God. In the beginning, Adam sinned. He ate the knowledge, they ate the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, and we got a conscience. When we defiled our conscience, we gained sin and therefore death. But when we get Jesus to pay it for us, it says we have a good conscience. Our conscience is clean. That's what it was all about. You remember in Hebrews 9 there? He said it couldn't affect the conscience, these things being fleshly animals and and fleshly ordinances and deeds that they were performing. But your conscience is clean to God. It's washed away and it's wiped pure as snow. There's no more spot on the t-shirt. Nothing left in the brownies. You're in the clear. Now when you go through and you understand this, it makes quite a bit more sense, doesn't it? How one guy 6,000 years ago could mess things up so epically and a man who was the Son of God 2,000 years ago dying can be so important. All important. Because it paid our ticket. It paid our way. This morning, if you're in the audience and you're not a Christian already, you haven't had access to this blood. Right now, your ticket is unpaid. And I'm not judging you, but God said if your ticket's unpaid, the sentence is death. And you will have to pay it. God is a righteous judge. You're not going to get out of it. There's nothing you can do. But Jesus can. And if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He died on the cross for your sins, if you want to change, make your conscience clean, Come forward and be washed in His love this morning as we sing the invitation song.